This is the art of femininity. Today's episode has been sponsored by Aristo & Co., a feminine lifestyle company meaning the best of its kind, noblest, bravest, most virtuous. Aristo & Co. merges faith, femininity, fellowship, and fashion through three distinct divisions, the association, the academy, and the atelier. If you would like to learn more about the company, please visit www.aristoandco.ca and follow us on Instagram at aristoandco.ca. Let us begin. In the previous podcast episode, we define the art of femininity, a lifestyle with a very high calling from heaven that comes with a great reward, the free gift of eternal life, a life we can choose to live in the here and now, resulting in an opportunity to receive eternal heavenly crowns when we pass from this life to the next. Today's podcast episode will introduce a new series on the art of femininity titled She. Each month will feature a foundational principle on the art of femininity so you can understand who you are called to be and the lifestyle you are called to live as a woman of God. To introduce this new series, we'll need to cover what are foundational principles, where do we get them, how to uphold them, and the life-altering results. So once again, we'll need to cover what are foundational principles, where do we get them, how do we uphold them, and the life-altering results. Foundational principles can be understood as a set of statements or values that establishes a framework to help educate and set expectations, guide behavior, decision-making, and ultimately shape the person who's learning them. To become a more feminine woman and live the life of one, the foundation needs to be changed, and that's exactly what foundational principles do. Think of it this way. It's easy to put your proverbial best foot forward at work, at church, upon dating initially, at a social event, and especially on social media, but much harder to do when, for example, we're caught off guard or when life just gets the best of us. Foundational principles are meant to reveal and get to the root of who we are beyond the surface. And while one might assume that to learn foundational principles is rather elementary, changing the root of one's character is in fact by far one of the most challenging tasks there is. Not to mention, many might assume they've mastered such foundational principles, but the truth is revealed behind closed doors, meaning in the privacy of our own home and usually in front of those closest to us. The ability to understand, accept, and embody foundational principles is the ability to better understand, accept, and embody God's standard for our lives. As a result, we will no longer have to put our proverbial best foot forward, but rather operate out of our femininity effortlessly with a higher capacity to handle anything that comes our way. That includes the circumstances we spoke of that would typically catch us off guard and circumstances that would typically get the best of us. So think of the upcoming series as a blueprint on the art of femininity based off a woman who is the ideal example of what it really means to be a feminine woman and the lifestyle she lives. This blueprint will act as a comprehensive 
actionable roadmap featuring foundational principles designed to educate, excite, and help all of us live out the art of femininity. So where do we get these foundational principles? Well, when we look to find them, we don't look to get them through our own thinking and our own doing. We look to the word of God, a source outside of ourselves to get them. Because it's not through our own thinking and our own doing that we can change our foundation. It's God. We learn in Deuteronomy 12 verse 8 that God says, You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. This scripture is a reminder to us today, to every one of us, not to live according to what the culture says is right and good or what is right and good in our own eyes, but rather what God says is best. And so I want to encourage you to not get caught up in a world that defines right and good according to its own eyes, its own desires, and its own perspective. We are all to lay aside what the culture says is right and good in its own eyes, as well as what we feel is right and good in our own eyes. And instead, we are to conform our lives to what is right and good according to God's word. That's why the new She series on the art of femininity has been inspired by the word of God, the very place we get these foundational principles. These foundational principles come from the word of God because in John 15 verse 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So this means without the help of God, we'll never be able to do anything. And that includes practicing the art of femininity. Now, some of you may be thinking, Angeline, how can that be? There are talented, wealthy, successful people who don't believe in God. They have obviously done something and even done so apart from God. What about these people? Or you might be thinking, Angeline, speak for others. I'm not a believer in Jesus, but I live a perfectly successful life and have done many things. Firstly, there seems to be a tendency today to look upon talent, accomplishments, and wealth as having done something, which we correlate to overall achievement or success. This is not a new tendency, and to the world standards, this is true. But when God says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he isn't speaking to worldly talent, accomplishments, wealth, and success. God's path for some leads to these things, but for most others, it's a relatively quiet life. God blesses all of us in different ways, whether we believe in him or not, and that's just because he loves all of us. You see, God's view of us and how successful we are is not rooted in the things of this world, but rather lies in the status of our relationship with him and our willingness to be used by him for the sake of serving others and helping others hear the good news of the gospel. God prioritizes our fruitfulness, not successfulness. This is our primary requirement to him for what he's given us. Faithfulness and love for him where he has called us to serve mean much more to him than what we can achieve in this world. So when I quoted scripture of Jesus saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. This was part of a larger conversation Jesus had with his disciples on the evening of the last supper. Jesus tells them he is the vine and his father is the vine dresser. God takes away branches that do not bear fruit and he prunes every fruit bearing branch. The full scripture is John 15 verse 4 to 5 and reads, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In this parable, Jesus is telling us to abide in him. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, what does that mean? What does abide really mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. The word abide is a verb. It's active. Abiding in Christ is not merely a feeling or a belief, but something we do. It means to remain or to stay and entails far more than just the idea of continued belief in Jesus. As with abiding, bearing fruit goes hand in hand with following Jesus. Jesus continues with the parable by telling us that abiding in him is essential to life because he is life itself. He correlates himself to the vine and us to the branches and that a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. Jesus is correlating fruit with our character. In the same way we treat others, our honesty, our humility, our commitment to living with inner righteousness, as well as external obedience. And having good character goes beyond our own lives. It impacts our relationship with God, others, and the world around us. It's what we're doing now that ultimately outlives ourselves. Jesus says that bearing fruit is the way a person proves to be a true follower. This bearing of fruit is what normal, healthy branches do. And those who don't abide in him fall away, losing their life like a dead branch from the vine. Jesus is telling us in order to bear good fruit, and in other words, embody this godly character and live a godly life, we need him. And the same goes for this new series on the art of femininity. This series is meant to help women bear good fruit through these foundational principles. In other words, embody the character of a godly woman and live the life she would. This is done through a changed heart, a renewing of the mind, and the reformation of behavior, which is accomplished by abiding in God, in his word, which she does. And this new series reflects and has been designed to help you do the same. And as you do, you will enter a process called sanctification. It's a process of abiding and pruning. We know abiding means remaining in God, but spiritual pruning is like a gardener tending to plants. God oversees our growth, refining us so that we will blossom. So now that we know how to get them, how do we uphold them? Well, it's not something we do. It's something God does through us through his pruning of us. Essentially, it's a process of shedding the old self and becoming the new self. In Ephesians 4 verses 22 to 24, we read to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And this pruning process is not a walk in the park. The primary indicator for pruning is the suffering of loss, usually experienced in a season. A season of pruning could bring a loss of finances, possessions, impact, influence, position, stature, relationships, or opportunity. To be pruned is to lose the basis upon which you or everyone around you measures your identity or success. 
Pruning involves various trials and tribulations, a testing of our character, refining it more and more throughout the season of this pruning. And while it's no walk in the park, it's necessary to shedding the old self and putting on the new self. A part of this pruning process also involves taking up our cross. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Part of upholding these foundational principles means we have to take up our cross daily. And if you're wondering, what what does that mean? What does taking up our cross mean? Well, simply put, taking up our cross is about pain. When a person carried a cross in Jesus' day, no one thought of it as symbolically painful. To a person in the first century, the cross meant one thing and one thing only, death by crucifixion. To carry a cross was to face the most painful and humiliating means of death human beings could experience. The Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant one was about to die and that one would face ridicule and disgrace along the way. So picking up our cross in our daily lives could look like facing the truth and experiencing the shame of our sin, learning to tame our tongue after we feel the regret of losing it, Swallowing our pride when our pride screams to be prioritized. Checking our emotions and learning to stabilize them. Giving unmerited favor or grace to others when they don't deserve it. Being willing to be broken and spilled out so that we can be who we are really called to be. Or it could look like being misunderstood or even shunned by family or friends. Losing our reputation losing our job, losing a relationship, or even losing our life. If Jesus suffered to the point of losing his own life without sin, why would we be any different? In some places of the world, these consequences are a reality. But notice I said this is what it could look like. Following Jesus doesn't necessarily mean all of these things will happen to you. But to be a woman of God, you must be willing to suffer loss. So I ask you, Are you willing to take up your cross? If faced with a choice, Jesus or the comforts of this life, which will you choose? One of my favorite verses that has spoken to my spirit in times of suffering is 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8 to 10, which reads, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And while we may experience the worst pain we have ever felt while being pruned and taking up our cross, what Jesus tells us is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And in Philippians 4 verses 13, we are told we can do all things through him who strengthens us. So as we are weak, he will be our strength. And in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul quotes Jesus who said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God is perfect in every way, giving him the power to make up for all the weaknesses we have. 
And it must be mentioned, our current circumstances, trials, and tribulations in life cannot compare to the joy of the glories of heaven that awaits us. For in Romans 8 verse 18, Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Just as a woman gives way to the pains of childbirth, so will we experience the emotional turmoil from following Jesus. Dr. Brene Brown, American professor, lecturer, author, podcast host, and TEDx speaker, known for her widely viewed talk on the power of vulnerability, says, faith isn't an epidural. It's a midwife who stands next to me saying, push, it's supposed to hurt. The key to pressing on in spite of our pain is perspective. Like childbirth, our pain is intense, but it also is temporary. For a new mother, the pain is hard up until a point, until the baby comes. Likewise, the severe pain of this life concludes when Jesus returns. Therefore, As we're pruned by God, and when we choose to take up our cross, deciding to believe in and follow Jesus, he helps us uphold the foundational principles. In other words, he helps us uphold our innate femininity. And as God does, he will take us through life-altering transformation with a result that's truly unrecognizable. But don't expect everyone to see, believe, and accept the changes God has made in you. The people closest to you won't necessarily recognize this new you. It's possible you may look the exact same, but nothing about you will be the same. People can sometimes only recognize you as they once knew you. In other words, sometimes the old version of you is so trapped in the minds of others, it's only God that can open their eyes. Regardless of what others see or don't see, believe or don't believe, welcome or don't welcome, God says in Isaiah 43 verse 19, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Through the upcoming series on the art of femininity, God wants to spring up a new thing in your life. He's making a way in your wilderness. Do you not perceive it? So have a willingness to see, believe, and welcome this yourself. Remember, apart from God, we cannot truly know the foundational principles of our femininity, get them, uphold them, and as we know, do anything at all. And that includes mastering the art of femininity and experiencing the life-altering results you've been yearning for and that God yearns for all women, especially you, precisely what she was made for. Thank you for listening to today's episode on the art of femininity. If you'd like to rate or review the podcast, please do so now. I'd be so appreciative and stay tuned for the following episodes. If you'd like to learn more about Aristo and Co, please visit www.aristoandco.ca and connect with us on Instagram at aristoandco.ca.